0: Good morning. What a beautiful day, right? Amen. Amen. Those that know me, they know that I, I'm a woman that I love warmth and heat. I believe I was supposed to be born in California, live and die in California. And some sick joke happened, and I was born in Chicago, (laughs) of all places. And so when we had this beautiful winter that we had, I believed that that was all about me. I, I wanted to believe that that God heard the cry of his daughter and decided to change the atmosphere and the climate around. And you all just got to benefit from my prayer. Was anybody happy about that? <laughs> So every time I come out and the sun is shining and it's warm and I don't have to have on a big Eskimo coat and earmuffs, I am so excited. So I thank God for this beautiful day. Amen? Amen. So as I come in this morning, let me first apologize up front because... Being here in new community and having the great opportunity to preach uh, the message of the gospel here has stretched me in places that I am not accustomed to. So, according to the pattern of new community, we are supposed to have PowerPoints to help you to read and follow along in the scriptures. It helps those that forgets their Bible, never purchased the Bible, and makes your life better and helps you to grab the message. Well, let me say, that's not going to happen today. (laughs) If you didn't bring your Bible, you're going to have to share with somebody because I missed the mark and I did not turn in my presentation and now you all have to suffer (laughs) <laughs> so uh, I apologize, no fault of anyone else's but my own. And then of all, all days and all messages, I happen to have quite a few scriptures. <laughs> I would say it was, an in, it was an intentional effort to force you to bring a Bible or get one if you don't have one, but that would be a lie. So I'm not going to even share that lie. I just missed it. Okay, so if you don't have a Bible, please share with someone or just believe me as I read it, that it is what's in the Bible. (laughs) Okay, so to jump right in, we have this great opportunity, Pastor Peter's going to be starting a new sermon series on next week. Don't you just love his series I just yeah I just I just love it. He just keeps going and going and going. <laughs> so he's starting a new one next week and this message today in some way I hope will transition you in preparation for where he's going to take us on next week. So 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 go along with me as I talk and, and speak to Each of us who are believers, those that are not believers, but people in general. I have this great opportunity uh, and blessing to be able to go and travel sometimes and be invited to other places where people uh, want to hear me say something. And they ask me to come and speak. And as I go and I'm going and traveling around the different places and churches and meeting God's people in different places. I find myself in in looking and discerning and asking questions and hearing people speak that people are greatly troubled. Even the believer is greatly troubled in times like these. Life is so difficult and has, has seemingly uh, uh, gone or be- have gotten even greater in it's its difficulty that people, believers, are struggling to just believe. Here in New Community, you have this honor and this blessing to hear the message of the gospel every Sunday. Every believer and every church doesn't have that. But you have this blessing to be able to hear the gospel every Sunday. And that message is meant to infuse you with faith, to believe that all things are done in Christ Jesus and that all that he is requiring of us is to believe that he did it. But many people now are facing troubles and difficulties and life situations. And those situations now, in spite of their efforts to come to church on Sunday, in spite of their efforts to pray, in spite of their efforts now to do particular works, now life now is still troubling them. Troubles, afflictions, infirmities, loss, mistakes, mistakes pain, suffering, all of these things seem to find each of us at some point in time in our life, whether it is seasonal or whether it is momentary. They seem to locate us. They seem to find us. Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 through 8, and it says, there is a time for everything, A season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep Troubles, afflictions, problems, situations, life just continues and no matter who we are or no matter what we do, uh, troubles seem to find us. No matter how much we try to avoid them, no matter how much we try to fight against them, no matter how good we are, they seem to find us. They will find you in your hiding places, the places that you have created to cover yourself. They will find you as you hide behind people so that you can cover yourself from the afflictions of life. They will find you now as you hide behind things, as you hide behind habits, as you hide behind excuses, they will find you. They will find you even when you are crouch down and trembling behind your fears they will find you they seem to be relentless in nature they never seem to give up it's their tenacious and persistent against your prayers against your hope and even against your faith problems troubles They will find you. At times, they seem stronger than you. They seem stronger than your hope and stronger than your faith. They seem to press and press with this seemingly expectation that they will make you quit before they ever will. Many of us face difficulties, troubles in life. Anybody ever had troubles? Has anybody ever felt broken, desperate, hopeless, trapped? Have you ever felt like just giving up? Now, I know this message probably doesn't sound very gospel-like, anybody ever just wanted to quit and to give up yeah Mm. saved but sometimes you want to (laughs) quit hear the message But sometimes you want to quit. Life. If you've ever felt like that, then I'm pretty sure that you're in good company. Yeah, yeah. Look around and look at the faces of those that are seated next to you and that are seated around you. And even though sometimes we live as though and it looks as though we're fine and it looks as though we're faring well and it looks as though we're strong. But many of us face problems and situations that seem to be overbearing and overwhelming and we struggle with just believing can anybody help your neighbor and tell the truth and say, that's been me? That's, I know it. I know it. That's <laughs> been us. We've wanted to quit. We've wanted to give up. Huh. Life has this parallel perspective that good and evil is present at the same time. Good and bad simultaneously work around each other. They operate around us, making it seem like the good is short-lived and the bad is a repeated offender. We wonder why all things can seem and be so good, but then bad just seems to show up. So these variables of life, they drive us in particular directions. Some directions are good and some of them are not so good. But it is the hope of our faith that when we are driven by our troubles and driven by our afflictions and driven by our struggles, that those things now will drive us to the cross. See, that, that is the hope of what we believe, that when we have run out of ourselves and when we no longer have answers and when we can no longer figure it out and no longer assess it and no longer control it, that in some way, shape, form, or fashion, you will have the opportunity to hear a message and when you hear that message, when you hear that news, then that message will draw you as life pushes you and it drives you to the feet of the cross. Because in that place is all hope. Because yeah. it's going to drive you. I promise you that. Life is going to drive you some way and I know many of us think that we are strong and many of us think that we can handle all things and we can take all pressure but the truth really is that we cannot if we could we wouldn't have needed him. We are unable to bear and to withstand the full impact of what this world and what this life will bring us. So God now devised this plan that he would be the help that we need to get out of some of our own messes. So when life is driving us, the message is calling us. So when we look now at this message of the gospel, the gospel message now is not like any other message. It is not like any other news that you have ever heard. It is not like any other speech that any great speaker has ever given. It's not nothing like it. Nobel Peace Prize winners, Pulitzer winners have never written a message or a speech like this one. We celebrate great writers and and orators. We celebrate them because of the things that they speak about that speaks to us and encourages us today. But they cannot carry us the distance. But we have heard a message now that speaks not only to your tomorrow, but to your yesterday, to your today, and to your future. This is good news. We have an announcement to make. This message now of the good news that we hear now speaks not only to what things we are encountering and what things have happened on yesterday, but this message now has done a great work now before us that we don't even understand. We We don't fully grasp it that this message now is an announcement of good news that a man named Jesus did what nobody else could do. His death removed barriers that were erected between us and our creator. He became the required sacrifice to remove our shame and to change our exclusion. He then paid the price that the debt that needed to be paid for our ransom to free us from the bondage of the devil. He fought then the required battle against sin and evil that forces us and deceives. us us to believe in our own minds now and to act it out that we are our own God that causes us to establish our own kingdom and put ourselves on the throne but Jesus now then came and gave the answer and said I am going to battle against that lie against that deception and win for the sake of of us. His blood became the required pure covering and cleansing agent that required us, that was required to wash away our sins and restore our relationship to the Father. He became the required sinless legal defendant needed that, that needed to stand before a righteous judge and take the death penalty for the broken laws of mankind. Oh, he did it. This is the message of the gospel. The message is historical. It's good news. And that anyone that will hear it, their lives could be changed. The good news now came. It came loaded with grace and gave us an opportunity now to receive this gift called salvation. The good news came now, and uh, with the requirement to the listener, it came with gifts, the gift of salvation. When you hear the good news, you have an opportunity res- to receive the gift because you believe upon it. But hearing the good news requires a response. How do we respond? Do we respond by believing what we hear? Or do we respond by rejecting it? How do we respond? The gospel is the good news that leads us into salvation, but its power doesn't stop at salvation. So many of us hear the message of the gospel, and as powerful as it is, I I just felt this moment that I wanted to do a Pastor Peter, you know, point to the cross, It just came out of nowhere. I don't know. Okay. But But here, the, the cross now, this message that we hear over and over and over again, this message now speaks about the very promises that God made. In Isaiah 43 and 1, you have your Bible. Isaiah 43 and 1. It reads, but now thus said the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passeth through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle thee. God made promises to his children. As As our Creator, he spoke about troubles situations and problems and things that you would face some that we cause ourselves and some just happen because life just happens but he says no matter what understand that I make you a promise that when you must face life and life situations you will never face them alone He said, in those problems that come that seem to be bigger than you, stronger than you, more powerful than you, he said, trust me in this. They are no more powerful to take your life than they were to give it. He said, they have no power over the life of a believer. He said, those troubles and such that come, believe me, they will not speak to your destiny. He said, that I've already placed in my son. He said, the waters and the floods, those things may come, but they won't overtake you. The fire may come, but it will not kindle upon you now to destroy you. He said, but if you will only believe. I make promises that I plan to keep. When we hear the message now, do we understand that it is not just the good news to draw you into salvation, but it is the good news that keeps you throughout all eternity. It is a historical message that says to us, Jesus has already done it. Oh, come on, somebody. He said the power Faith that we place in the work of the cross continues to flow through us and the world around us. It is transforming everything and everyone that it touches, if you will believe. So if you believe in the gospel, you realize now that it is the answer to all things that are broken. So if we have this great answer... If we have this great message, why do we struggle with believing it? If a man would tell me, I'm talking about a human man. If a man would tell me as a woman that he loves me, that he loves me. See, with women, there's expectation attached to that word. That's, that's just in case you all didn't know. <laughs> I just wanted to toss that one out there. <laughs> that when you tell a woman that you love her immediately, the list starts to roll and the the expectations begin to, to show up and before you know it she's already gotten it written out and planned as to what you should do to show her how much you really love her and see when you as the man start doing other things that's not on her list immediately At least she discounts it and says, you don't love me. (laughs) And you're wondering what, what do you mean? I don't love you because you did not follow the list. Now I know she didn't tell you the list. She never emailed you the list. You never discussed the list, but I promise you the list (laughs) exists. We apologize, (laughs) but it exists. And the list sounds a little like this. If we are walking along the street and someone with no good intention comes and they make efforts where they're going to hurt or harm somebody, it better be you. (laughs) The expectation is that you, as the hero, I'm visual. So I get this whole picture, this animated picture of you jumping and saying, no. I'll protect you. (laughs) Right? Slow motion. That's That's what we see. Right? And you will take a bullet. That's that's love. (laughs) If you are not willing to take a bullet, mm, I don't know. (laughs) That's the expectation. That's, That's the expectation. That you are willing to go there. So let's say you're walking and it does happen and you take the opposite approach. And you say, run, girl, run. (laughs) 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 Come on, keep up. (laughs) Immediately, you have failed the list test. And you don't love me. Now, in your mind, you might be saying, look, I said run. I warned you. I tried to help you. (laughs) I'm trying to help the both of us because what's the sense of me dying to say that I love you, then you'll be without me. (laughs) This is the expectation. So if you love me, the expectation is that there are some actions that will begin to show that. So now... When I hear this good news, that a man named Jesus said that he loves us. He didn't just use words, but his actions displayed it. (laughs) Uh, So when he said, I love them, and the father said, how much do you love them? He said, Father, I love you. He said, how much do you love me? And Jesus said, enough to bear the cross. He said, I'll do it for them and for you. Because without me, this is over. There are no other options outside of me. No are the plans outside of me. So my love will not just be in words, but they will be in deed. So we have this message that says now how much he loved us, and he showed us by action. So what happens to us in the midst of our troubles? When problems and situations arise, do we forget how much he loved us? Do we forget how much he's done for us? So why does it seem like it's easier to believe the message of the cross when it's easy to believe it? Why is it? Why is it when things are, are good and things are going good around us, we believe? When everything seems to be working according to our plan, we believe. When all things are cooperative and agreeable, we believe. When the sun is shining and there's no sign of cloudiness or rain, we believe it. When we are feeling strong and good, we believe it. So what happens to us when we face problems? Uh, Why does the power of the cross and of the message seem to be fleeting when it comes to troubles? What happens to us now, what happens to the cross uh, when the noise around us seem to be loud and overbearing? What happens uh, that our hearing becomes dull and we can no longer hear the nails being hammered in his hands and feet? We can no longer hear his voice crying out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Why can we not hear him when he says, God, my Father, why have thou forsaken me? Why can't we hear it? The earth quaking and the Shaking and now, with the rumbling that is taking place at the cross, uh, when the earth is shaking and the graves are opening up, uh, and then we begin to see now, as we hear the sound, that death is losing the battle and it can no longer hold down. Why can't we hear that when it's noisy around us? Why can't we see the cross when things seem to be overwhelming? Where we can no longer see him stretched and bleeding. When we no longer see the empty grave. What do we do with the news that we know in times of trouble? How do we respond? How will you respond to troubles? problems and situations the gospel although it is good news does not deceive us to believe in an instantaneous rescue from our troubles but rather it is good news that announces a future never absent from his presence (laughs) it says troubles will come but this you believe that you will never be without me. You will never be without me. So the question is, how do we respond to trouble? Do we apply what we believe to our situations? David now was a man that when troubles came, David's response often was to cry out with a mixture of complaints, victimization, and questions. David cried and complained, and and mur- first, <laughs> and then he talked himself into believing. But David said things like Psalm thirteen. He said, "How long, Lord? <laughs> I love it." He said, "When will you come? How long will you forget me forever?" I mean, come on, you know we can use those statements, don't we? <laughs> I've been in this forever and it's been two weeks. It's only been two weeks, (laughs) but it is forever. How long, God, will you forget about me forever? How long will you hide your face from me like God is intentionally turning away from David and saying and laughing at his problems. David said, how long will you turn your face from me, hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and the day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? He said, look at this. He said, look on me, Lord. (laughs) He said, and answer me. I mean, that is bold. He's like, look, okay, look, look, look at me. I know you're busy because you're over there trying to help Sharon and you're trying to help Kelly and you're over there trying to help Jennifer, but I need you to look at me. That's like, you know, that's how our children do when they have their breakout moments and they, they throw their tantrums. They're like, don't you see me over here falling out and having a fit? Look at me. That's what David was saying. Look at me, God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice in my fall. David now became a victim to his problems and his troubles. He began to complain, (laughs) to throw a tantrum. How many of us do that? Oh, I know. I know. I just did it like last week. I promise you. I'm saying like, okay, Lord, really, really, really. (laughs) We throw fits. We cry. We complain we respond like David David thought because he was a good man a good follower of the Lord because he obeyed the Lord because he was a good servant that he should not be struggling with this some of us believe that God because we're good I'm relatively good I don't mess with nobody I try to follow I try to obey you know I'm doing I'm not doing like the big sins So, God, why am I struggling? Anybody ask God that question like, why? Why are these things happening in my life? Why did you choose me to have to go through this struggle? We ask God that. Some of us respond like Job. Job chapter 3, the entire Job chapter 3 is Job now crying out and, 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 and speaking to God and saying, curse the day that I was ever born. Job responded in self-pity and self-loathing and hopelessness, and he cursed the day that he was born. I mean, he went on and on. He cursed. He said, I cursed. Now, even the fact that my mother's knees allowed me to come out. Any woman ever had a baby, I don't care how strong your knees are, you can't stop no baby from coming out. But Job, now being a man, said, curse my mama's knees. (laughs) He said, curse her breasts because when I came out, if the knees couldn't stop me, at least the breasts should have never fed me. Job, self-pity. Hopelessness, despair. That was his response. The entire chapter 3. He complained. Do we respond like Elijah? Where Elijah ran and tried to hide. How do we respond? Many of us respond like this. We respond to our problems and our troubles just like this. Now, we understand in our humanity now that there are moments and times that we struggle. But how do we struggle and how do we suffer? Do we suffer in Christ? Do we suffer now in what we believe about the cross? When I I see that and then I turn to the New Testament... After the message has gone and after the work has been done on the cross and I began to look at the lives of those believers that heard the message that followed him and saw what he did. And I began to look at their response and I said their response was drastically different than the response of these forefathers. Paul, the Apostle Paul's response, and I am just about concluding here, the Apostle Paul responded by looking to the cross and the work of Jesus. <laughs> Paul did not begin to murmur and complain. Anybody ever read the text that talked about how much Paul actually went through, how much he suffered? <laughs> oh my God. And his response was to look at the cross. And this is what he said in 2 Corinthians 4. This is... This is what he spoke. He he spoke as he responded now to the troubles. And Corinthians now, they were persecuting him and coming against him in the church. And there was a sect of people that was rising up and denying and trying to speak against Paul and stating that Paul was not an apostle and that everything that he had done now was not true and it was not real. And Paul is sitting here with people that he had labored with and people that he had given himself for and sacrificed to do the work of Christ. He had sat there and labored with them and spent time with them. And here now these people are rising up against him, persecuting him, speaking evil of him, lying about him, trying to tear down everything he had done. And in the midst of that and in the face of that trouble, this is what Paul began to write. He said, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Oh, come on, somebody. We heard now, he said, we are hard-pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down reason to celebrate. This is what the cross, this is what the message of the gospel says. It says we don't have to respond as victims. Why? Because Christ now became the one that gave account and answer and took now the cross and sacrificed so that when we face troubles, we look at the victory of the cross look at the overcoming courageous work of the cross and when we look at that we say that these things are of light afflictions y'all know I'm black right <laughs> He said, these things are but light afflictions. Who can look at your troubles and your struggles and see them through the message? Who can look at them and see them through the cross and answer your problems like Paul answered his? Who will say, yeah, I might be down today? But I won't always be down. Oh, come on, somebody. I don't have to be a victim because he became that for me. So I stand in his victory. I stand in his triumphant power. I stand now in the works that he did, not my own, because in me, I cannot bear it. In me, I cannot take it. In me, it is too much. But when I look at the message of the gospel and when I only believe leave it. I, I can say to my situations, yes, you may come, but you will not remain. How do we respond? Paul responded again. This is my last uh, verse here. He's, he responded in, in Romans 8, 31 and thirty. He spoke now to the believer. He said that condemnation will try to come, but because of the work of salvation and because of what Christ has already done, therefore now there is no more condemnation and whatsoever things might come, there is a way that we shall respond. He said, what then shall we say in response to these things? Is God for us? Who can be against us? he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen it is God who justifies who then is the one who condemns us no one Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? What? will separate us. He says, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, he said, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, oh, I am convinced I am persuaded history is already written. Prophecy to predict the future is already written. I am persuaded, my God. to your problems. Will you respond through the cross? Will you respond through the message? I promise you, life will make you respond. But the question is, how will you respond? We are not hopeless. My God, we are not hopeless. But our hope is in Jesus Christ and what he did. If you have been a victim, if you have been a complainer, if you have been one that quit or gave up, if you ran away from your problems because you never wanted to face them, that is not giving room to the power of our message and of the cross. Because when we step out in faith, he declared that no matter what I am not a victim he declared that I am more than a conqueror that I am triumphant in him and although my situations victimize me they will never mock me because my life is in his hands. He has my future. The very breath that I breathe, it's all in his hands. I will not pity As though there is no hope. death when my diagnosis now is not good. And when the doctors are giving up on me, Paul even was able to say, look at death right in the eyes. Until death, it has Apply the gospel to your troubles and watch the faith of God carry you the distance.